0: On this episode of the World Cup Project, I speak with PSG talking contributor and French native Guillaume Delaporte about the highs and lows of recent French national team history. From Zidane headers to Zidane headbutts, from World Cup wins to World Cup walkouts, and everything in between. I'm your host, Mark Damon. Join me as we explore the complex past, present, and future of Les Bleus here on the World Cup Project. Guillaume, welcome to the World Cup Project.
1: Well, thank you for having me, Mark. It's a, uh, it's overdue.
0: Yeah, we've uh, never done a show together. This should be fun. No.
1: Yeah, I'm listening to your show. You're listening to our show. And look at that. Now I'm on your show. Next time you're on our show.
0: Eventually, yes. I think I did it once when it was absolutely. Uh, it was. We were in crisis, and I had to step in. But
1: oh, uh, okay. All right. No, it's it's great. It's great to um, to do this. It's a really good idea of yours.
0: And I'm glad you're the first guest because I wanted to talk about the team that I root for, the team that you root for, the my uh, ancestral home of France. And I just wanted to start off by just letting you introduce yourself and telling the listeners exactly why you're qualified to talk about Le Bleu. All right. Well, exactly
1: why I'm qualified. I don't know if I'm qualified. Um, I'm a, I'm French citizen, American resident. I've been here for 23 years here in the U- United States. And um, I grew up in France. Half my life in France, half my life here. When I was a, uh, a teenager, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to do everything I can to hide my age because I know most of our listeners are much younger than I am. Um, So I I, I grew up uh, when the French national team was a catastrophe and had been for many, many years. And it kind of became a thing. Oh, we suck. Um, And I started watching football. I I, I saw France in 1978 on TV in Argentina. I saw Argentina beat France 3-1. And it was the first time there was some sort of s- sparkle in the French national team. The glorious years of the French national team prior to that were the 50s. Yes, uh, with uh, Raymond Coppa, Just Fontaine. They played at Real Madrid. France had two, um, uh, one final of the World Cup or two. I kind of forgot. One, one, one semi. And then nothing, yeah. nothing, nothing. And here I am. Uh, watching TV, and I'm like, "Oh, this is kind of cool." And at the same time, Paris Saint-Germain is is uh, is starting to to grow, and I'm I'm kind of looking at at both. And um, football is new to me, and and then I get hooked by one game, by the emotion, the incredible, unbelievable emotion uh, that that football gives can give, and that's it. I mean, I mean. And um, so I've been following the national team, of course, since um, all these years, uh, passionately. And uh, that's the only reason why maybe I'm somewhat qualified to talk about it.
0: Well, and even if not of an expert, but as a fan, watching 40 years of French national teams gives you a bunch of perspective. So it's very very much needed in this discussion, because I started watching in... 2002-ish, mm-hmm. so I missed a bunch of that, so sure did, we, yeah. we need, a little catch, need a little catching up, so let's just start with a general question, and I'm always fascinated by the relationship between a country and its national team, of because course. for certain countries, the relationship is different than others, and the bond is different than others. If you could... Describe the relationship between the French people and its national team.
1: It's a difficult um, question, of course, because it's very emotional and maybe it's different. Um, The French are not very different from the rest of the world, just a little bit. Uh, In Europe, and, and, and more now than it's ever been, France is a more racially diverse country than most, if not all, of European countries. And the French national team nowadays reflects that very much. Uh, When I was a young kid, um, there were more um, what we would call, quote-unquote, French names in the national team. And there were um, some players from Martinique or Guadeloupe, a couple of um, players from North African origins, but the majority of the team had a very French-sounding name. And year after year, it it evolved. And we're going to have to talk about this, because and and as you and I saw the the same documentary on Netflix, um, and I highly recommend it, by the way, and thank you for pointing uh, to... To this documentary um, There's um, How can I say that The way the French people Have seen their national team Has evolved as much as France Has evolved in the past 20 years And, and France has Incredibly evolved um, Its society it's The mentality of, of its citizens it has, it has opened to the world More in the last 20 years Than it has ever Open to the world. And I'm talking to, to you and uh, to an American audience, and it may be a little difficult or not easy to understand that. America has been a, a, a the land of, of migrants since day one. Well, France too, but then it stopped for centuries. It was a, a migration of, of Europeans. And, um, and in the past 20, 30 years, North Africans more and more... Um, uh, uh, people from from Black Africa, former French colonies, moved. I mean, there's a very complicated uh, 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 migration uh, 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 wave and, uh, through the last thirty years. Very very diverse, um, and and France has changed, and the relation the French had with their national team has changed. How? Well. It's
0: a very complicated question. It's a very complicated question. I only ask the tough questions.
1: And I'm going to give you my point of view and how I feel about it. And and in in no way, it's it's really representative of the majority of French people. Um, To me, I don't see a clear difference between the French national team today and the French national team 30 years ago at all. I do not care if there are black players, North African players, uh, 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 black players from uh, uh, born in uh, like Patrick Vieira uh, in Senegal or second generation. I don't, I don't care. What I want is um, a beautiful team that win, that wins trophies and gives a good image to the rest of the world of the French national team and of France. When I was a kid. Michel Platini was the megastar. His real name is not Michel Platini. His real name is Michele Platini. It's Italian second generation. Yeah. In the midfield, there was Jean Tigana, brilliant midfielder, born, uh, I, may say, uh, 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 I may be incorrect, but I think he's from um, uh, Guadeloupe, uh, Café Olegay. There was Luis Fernandez, his real name is not Luis Fernandez. His real name is Luis Fernandez, second generation Espanol. Um, and he and, and goes on and on and on. And it was never, ever a problem for some people in France. When the French national team started being um, uh, going through hard patches recently, then suddenly, somehow, the fact that Some of the French players were from, you know, that were second generation, uh, uh, Algerian or or, or, or American or second generation, this or second generation. That became a problem already. Okay, well, this I called bullshit, complete utter bullshit. And I I basically don't have any patience for it. And I'm not going to talk about this. So that's it. Now it's on the shelf. Now it's on the shelf. Um, So let's forget about races and origins. Let's just focus on the way it played and what what emotions and, and values they carried through the years for the French people. Very similar to other nations, I think. Uh, you know uh, you get a show that you you the French have that expression to like get your 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 jersey wet wet of sweat you're hard working you give it all and um, the French like the beautiful game so you get to play positive football and of course if possible win trophies
0: so yeah and I and I think <laughs> I think what I've learned is that the more open-ended questions can get sometimes the best responses so I think that was a really good overview overview of kind of, or a context for what we're going to talk about. So let's go quickly into the pre-1993. And I say pre-1993 because that was the year that France lost to Bulgaria in the Stade de France and was left out of their second consecutive World Cup. Now, let me just remind, just a little refresher. In 82, they finished fourth. In 86, they finished third. And I believe those are the Platini... Are those the Platini teams? Correct.
1: And in between, they won the 1984 Euro.
0: And they won the 1984 Euro. But in 1990 and 1994, France, one of the biggest nations in the world, did not qualify for the World Cup. Correct. What was that like? Those... The years before, and then those... Those years where France was pretty much dormant.
1: I'm feeling the pain again. It's like it was stored somewhere in my body for all these years.
0: We're bringing it back out. We're bringing it back up.
1: A blackout.
0: Yes.
1: Uh, Awful, absolutely. I mean, for for football fans, it was just um, absolutely awful. And in the French culture, failure is taboo. In the American culture, it's almost a phase you have to go through to grow and and understand life better and bounce back and it's almost part of the of the American story you know F- uh, failure in France oh no 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 you cannot fail so when you fail twice back to back oh boy oh boy it's going to take you a long time to dig you out of that ditch and um, and change your image uh, you know and that that was. Um, that was bad. That was really bad, especially, especially the second time, because we had a really good team actually, um, and and there was something missing, and that's what was the saddest part for French fans. It's like how, oh, what's missing? Um, is it a problem in the nation, in the society? Does it reflect the current situation of things in France? You know. Um, Maybe it does. What is wrong with us? Oh my God, what is wrong with us? Why can't we qualify to the World Cup? But you know what? Um, we turn things around
0: a and, later. Yep, and that brings me to my next question. What changed? What changed between 93 and
1: 98? So I got I to talk previous to 93, prior to 93. Um, Michel Platini brought... So he was he was a, a, an unbelievable player, one of the greatest players ever ever. Uh, uh, and he led that team, and he made them believe that they could win. And uh, France used to suck, and then suddenly they stopped sucking. The 1982 World Cup, uh, the the team was absolutely gorgeous to watch, gorgeous, gorgeous to watch, gorgeous football. Phenomenal midfield. They, scored, they called it the, the carré magique, the magical square. Four players. Terrible forwards, but it didn't matter. Platini <laughs> was doing it all. Um, there's, a, there's a funny... In 1984, when France won the Euro, in France, there's a funny um, a, a moment at halftime of France-Yugoslavia. There was still a Yugoslavia at that time. Yugoslavia leads 1-0. And that, as a matter of fact, Safet Suzic is playing Manzavet Susic was a Paris Saint-Germain player and the the leader of the Yugoslavia team. Um, Platini screams at his players. He's the captain. Screams at his players at halftime. Fire Rocheteau, one of the worst forwards in the history of football. Anyway, um, ask ask Michel Hidalgo, the coach, to um, replace himself in the midfield because he's going up. Second half, Michel Platini scores As a striker, three goals One with his right foot One with his left foot One with his head Thank you very much, France wins 3-1 <laughs> and, um, and and then France wins The Euro Amazing moment in France of, of celebration of a national team That finally won a major title The semi-final Against Germany in 1982 Which is still a huge trauma Because there's no way, uh, uh, with a normal ref, we, we would have lost that game. But anyway, um, that was a magical moment. And now we have a wonderful national team, and they can win. We know they can win. 86, beaten by Germany in semi, again, in a in a messed up game. Again, okay, but now we know we can win. And then and then we fail again. And then we have a good team, and they fail to qualify back two back to back. 1993, I think what happened in France is what happened in Spain recently. They could not take a defeat anymore. That was it. Everybody went around the table and said, what can we do? What can we change to start winning those competitions? Because we really, really, really want to win them. At least we want to, you know, be qualified and go to a World Cup, and there was um, that happened basically because of 1983. Other elements too is at that time um, France the 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 training the detection of talents was starting to actually uh, uh, be very efficient, and a generation emerged. And very rapidly, they were grabbed by the Serie A championship. They went to Italy, mostly. A few went to England, but mostly Italy. And the Italians have that winner, we, winner's mentality. They would, they would rather die than lose. They are incredibly competitive in football. I mean, you, we all know that. And that generation learned how to, to learn that, that, that value Um, say no to defeat, and they they threw playing for AC Milan, for Juve, and all the great Italian clubs, and um, so that, plus the the shock and and the the refusal of defeat caused by the, the, the huge trauma of 1993, this is probably why France won the World Cup in 1998.
0: Which is where we're going right now, 1998, um, yes. led by um, coach, and you can pronounce this name, I probably won't pronounce it as well, but the head coach for the 1998
1: team was? Emé Jacquet, Jacquet.
0: Perfect. They finished first in their group. They won nine points out of a possible nine. They beat, um, they beat Paraguay in extra time. Oh boy. They beat Italy. Four three on penalties. In the semifinal, they beat Croatia two to one. And game. on July twelfth, nineteen ninety eight, in the Stade de France, they beat Brazil three games. Sorry, three to nil. So, let's break this into a couple parts. First part: Where were you in nineteen ninety eight when this was going on? The second part: How? how integral was Zinedine Zidane in all the ways that he was? Because you can't really talk about the 98 World Cup for France without talking about Zidane. And also, what were the feelings during that game on July 12th,
1: 1998? All right. Well, Mark, I'm going to need your adult supervision because I could talk about this for, like, Solid three hours non-stop. Uh, where was I? I was both in the United States and in France. Not at the same time, obviously. But the game is, again, Paraguay. I'm watching... I have a, I have a big TV in my living room. Um, my face is, what, 10 inches away from it. In my hand are the tickets, my plane tickets to France. The game is going on. I got to go... When the game is over to the airport to catch my flight, I'm in in Princeton, New Jersey, and the game goes to extra time, my my guts inside my body are now a block of marble, overheating marble, there's steam coming out of my ears, and finally Laurent Blanc scores, scores. (laughs) and uh, I didn't pass out. But I think um, all that area of Princeton heard me and I grabbed my luggage, um, uh, the the cab was downstairs and I went to the airport and um, to France. I make it alive, um, control, my digestive system is working again and I land in Paris and um, I forgot where I was for the quarterfinals against Italy but something something's different the some it's it's hard to put words on it you don't know exactly what's happening but there's um
0: the atmosphere
1: yeah there's a there's this there's, there's an energy it's still latent but you can feel and you you don't know what it is you've never experienced this and that's a quarter final when france beats italy very very tense game i mean wow 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 penalty kicks um there's um that's it a valve a valve is, is, is opening and and people start and and look, the weather's gorgeous people start being in the street and everybody people you don't normally see in the streets are in the streets families everybody there's in the streets of france for the semi is already or you know, before the semi there's, what? Eight million people in the streets, on enough, you know. And um, and then it's see semi-final against Croatia. I'm uh, where am I? I'm in Paris. I forgot. I don't remember exactly where. Oh no no no! I'm in my hometown in Normandy with my friends. And again, something bizarre happens. Uh, Lilian Thuram who never scored a goal in his professional career. Um, after Croatia opens the score, and they are really, really good, scores two by himself, pretty much by himself, uh, in, in the Stade de France, and, and brings France to the final of the World Cup. At the end of this game, there's everybody's out. There's uh, 60 million French people. There's probably, I don't know, 40 million French people in the streets. And um, there's not yet what we are about to experience. But you've never seen anything like it. But it's still somewhat rational. (laughs) And... um, um, you, you, you're like, all right, this is wonderful. It's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful thing.
0: If I can so, interject, were you guys kind of waiting for that other shoe to drop in the final?
1: Well, yes, we're French fans. We, we, we know better. Uh, there's no way we're going to win the World Cup. I mean, I'm like that. There's no way. We, ha, we, we're going to play Brazil. There's no <laughs> way. we What? Yeah, no, we're never going to win that thing. Why well, would we win that thing? Uh, some friends of mine think we can win it. I cannot be rational myself. They say it's too much. It's, there's too much going on. I mean, between what's happening in the country and what's happening with my national team, it's a lot to cope. I'm trying to process everything. But um, also, I'm, I'm, I'm clinging to my usual habits as a French fan. And I've been through 1982. I've been through 1986. This is the World Cup, this is not the Euro. There's a, a another dimension A superior dimension to the World Cup The Euro is wonderful but it's not the World Cup And then the game happens And you say uh, Zidane Well I'm sorry to say Zidane was nowhere to be found before that game He was nowhere to be found um, As a matter of fact He got uh, expelled During the game against uh, boo boo boo, 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 boo. Uh, Saudi Arabia, I think. What game? What no. What? What? Oh my god! Woo-hoo. I forgot who was in our group. Oh.
0: Um, yeah, let me run through it for you. Um, Denmark, South Africa, and Saudi Arabia.
1: Saudi Arabia, yeah. So he he, 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 he stepped on a Saudi Arabian player on purpose, like, bang, you know, the refs are out, giving you a little hint of. Uh, what, what, what else he can do on, on the football field? And uh, we were without him for two games. And um, the, the team, I mean, the team was unbelievable and, and unplayable with a great Zidane. But um, as a side note, Blanc, De Turam, Lizarazu, playing together, never lost a football game. I'll say that one more time. Blanc, de seyed turam who playing together in the French national team never lost a football game. And they played a lot of them. So that's how good, un, unscorable that team was. Just unscorable. You couldn't score against them. And if you would, they would find a way to score against you. Which they did. But in the final, now it's money time. Now it's it's history time. Zidane scores to go With this <laughs> Two headers Okay now Okay Now you are Writing History for us Zinedine And um, Wow Oh wow Mark Oh wow Amazing Amazing times Amazing times I'm, I'm in a bar In the 14th area of Paris On the left On the left banks Near the Tour Montparnasse with all my friends. And um, it, it's. it's um, uh, That's it. We won. Petit scores. The ref blows his whistle. France is world champion. For the first time, we beat Brazil 3 <laughs> <laughs> no. And we're world champion. And immediately, we, we kind of go into a. It's, it's it's not craziness it's not crazy I mean I don't know how to put words on it I've never seen anything like it and probably never will um, older people at that time said yeah we, we've we've experienced something similar at the liberation of Paris hmm. in 1944
0: and I I'm, I'm, that's it I'm out on the boulevards
1: with with my my, my dear dear friend Fred was into a, a a zone he's, he's not himself anymore. Yes. He's not I'm I'm somewhat still myself because I I love to observe these moments. This is absolutely incredible. I'm I'm walking by some cops. The woman is livid, absolutely livid. She's feeling that, that energy coming out and, and they feel like they're completely gonna lose control and it's and I don't know why. I'm grabbing her shoulder. I'm looking at her straight in the eyes, and I'm I'm telling her, I'm telling you don't worry. It's it's go with it. It's going to be fine. And I keep working, and for the next 48 hours, I don't remember sleeping really. Um, how can I describe that? Um, we went to I don't know 78 bars. There's a, a, a celebration. Everywhere, by everybody And when I say everywhere If you, you, you get into a car we're like, Oh let's go to uh, Bastille now Of course Traditional areas where Parisians Or French people gather in Very important moments of their history um, we, we don't want to go on Champs-Élysées There's already about 2.5 million people there There's actually no physical room For additional bodies But um, so um, my timeline may be a bit messed up, but we're we in the car and we go on the, the freeway around Paris called the Peripherique, the Peripheral. Mark, the scenes on the freeway, there's cars stopped everywhere on the freeway. And so you got, you got to drive around them. On these cars, there are people on the roof of these cars. They're jumping of joy. The the roofs of these cars cannot handle that much weight. The owner of the car doesn't care. He's got that grin of pure bliss, of pure joy. Everywhere, everywhere you go, there's joy, joy, joy. Amazing, amazing, incredible. Um, People from all um, uh, cultural, um, uh, uh, social classes are hugging talking to each other it's, it's unbelievable un freaking believable the next 48 hours after yeah. the victory oh my goodness gracious
0: and um, and I can really only ima- I can really only imagine that type of emotion cuz it's one of those things that you don't think is going to happen yeah. and when it and when it finally does and when you it's like I kind of have this in a certain way, just as an American football fan. I'm a Giants fan, and I I've, I've had the pleasure of watching my team win two Super Bowls. And you remember the names. You remember where you were. You, you remember moments. It's like yeah. you you don't forget things like that. And to then put no. that on a national – and that's just a, a t- another team, a football team in a, in a state. We're talking yeah. an entire country – essentially going into a state of euphoria at about the same time. And I just wanted to ask you on on, on just that team in general. That team would go on to win the 2000 um, yeah. European Championships on two late goals. I think one was by um, Will Torr in the 93rd, and then David right. Trezegu in the 104th. Yes. So now you're thinking... We just won in 98, we just won the Euros in 2000, and I do know for sure that Zidane was good in that tournament. Oh, unbelievable at Euro. I mean, at that point, point, I would assume you're not thinking necessarily rationally in the sense that you're not thinking, well, this is going to end eventually. You kind of have that feeling like, hey, we're here, we're going to be good forever. You have to at least have that kind of emotion going at that time.
1: Well, you you do think that overall the quality of French football is a step up. So I don't know if we're going to win all the time but there's going to be a minimum guaranteed result. So France used to, you know, suck and then got good in the 80s, didn't win a World Cup but won a Euro and 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 respect around, um, among the football nations. And then, poof, it disappeared.
0: Yeah, and that's what we'll get to next. That's what okay. we will get to right now. So okay. let's go really quickly um, for a couple minutes. On 2001, after the um, September 11th attacks, France played a friendly in the Stade de France against Algeria. Mm. Do you have memories of that?
1: Yeah, I remember.
0: Um,
1: interesting game not because of the game but because it was so emotional I mean the um, the Algeria war is France's Vietnam War and um, the u.s went through a process of digesting it by talking about it by making movies about it but it was taboo but you know for many many years um, France, France was still not digesting World War II and had to digest the Algerian war on top of, you know, still trying to digest World War
0: II. And uh, And for those of people who don't know, Zinedine Zidane is Algerian. Well, he's French. French-Algerian.
1: Second-generation
0: Algerian, Algerian. yeah.
1: Yeah. So, and of course, um, to give you a little cultural context, France opened the gates of immigration in the 70s massively to uh, North Africans because they were right there and they were cheap labor um, to come to work in factories and make cars or whatever. Uh, And uh, there was no problem. He was happy. And then when, you know, after the 1973 um, oil shock, first oil shock, petrol shock, whatever you call it, well things got a little less good yeah. and um, people started seeing North Africans without a job. So on top of the, all the emotions linked to the, the Algerian war of independence, as Algeria had been French for 175 years. You know, we're talking about a long
0: long time, yeah.
1: A long time where French people or people living in Algeria, whether they were from uh, French origins or Algerian origins or both yeah. had children who had Children were Children were children, who had children, who had children who had. So France hasn't digested that, hasn't digested the World Cup. And it's the first time really not the first time we're talking about it, but now all the, the cameras, French TV cameras are on that game, and of course we're talking about it, and there's too many emotions.
0: Yeah, and you, and just to kind of give another more context to it, fans, there in that game, there were more Algerian fans and flags in the stand maybe than even French flags, and that game sort of turned into a political statement, for lack of a better term whether it was intended to be that way or not by the people who came, on the, who came on the field. And I think I bring that up because it sort of leads into, I wouldn't say, I'd say a steady little dip in that sort of 2002, 2004 area, which they eventually were able to sort of get their way back out of. Now, a key to that was, there was a whole, I, if, if I remember this right, and you, you'll obviously correct me if I'm wrong. But this is kind of where the shadow of Zidane starts to really um, engulf things in the sense that he he retired from the national team, then he came back, mm-hmm. and so, it sort of takes us to 2006, where the storyline at that point was, it's Zidane's last run, he's the best French player since Platini, and this is probably the last ride for a lot of those French players who had taken them to the World Cup in 98. So I'm asking, do you feel like that year, that 06 year, was sort of a last chance for a while for France to really make some noise in a major competition?
1: I didn't see it like this. I didn't have a perspective like that. Um, like, you know, um, then after that, we, we're going to suck again. Now, uh, again, overall football, French football is is better. Um, the national team is better, even if went through a couple of bad patches. It's difficult when you have such uh, an amazing leader, technical leader, moral leader, as Zinedine Zidane. Um... And then to, to 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 move on and rebuild, and they, they failed at that. I don't know exactly what happened for Zidane. What what, what factors came into consideration to to uh, come back out of retirement? Um, I have no idea. But immediately when he announced he would come back, oh, okay, uh, this is a huge relief, and we know these guys are gonna. Probably perform again, but I wasn't expecting a, a, a World Cup final. But now we see them play again, and uh, we feel that same. Oh, I'm going to use that very easy and useful French expression "je ne sais quoi," where like, I, right, they, they can't, they can't lose. You know, to yeah. that, that that World Cup.
0: And just so, and just so we can go through what they did in that World Cup specifically, um, if I can get to the groups here, France was in a group with uh, Switzerland, South Korea, and Togo. Not exactly the, um, not exactly murderers row, but yeah. France did finish second in that group with five points behind Switzerland.
1: Yeah, terrible games.
0: Yeah, uh, it,
1: it, very difficult games to get the, the machine working again, it was very grippy and rusty, and Togo, the, the last game was against Togo, and basically Patrick Vieira saved France. Yeah. He had one goal, one assist, and he was the the heart, again, of the French Nationals uh, team, and I'm going to say 1988. 1998, uh, it was in Zidane, it came from the midfield, and it's debatable, but I think Emmanuel Petit was the the heart, the the, the amazing, the X factor actually in the French na- uh, national yeah. team in 1998. Patrick Viera was in um, in 2006, yeah. and, and, and um, we the game against Togo was was it could have it could have gone badly, and that was it.
0: And then uh, you I go know. to the sorry, to cut you off there. We go to. The round of 16, they beat France. They beat Spain three to one. Okay. They beat Brazil one nil in the quarters. They beat Portugal one nil in the semis. And that brings us to July 9th, 2006.
1: No, now, I gotta, I, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta talk about the France-Spain game.
0: Please Bradley, go ahead.
1: If you may. Yeah, go ahead. So, um, the Spaniards were saying, "Okay, we're gonna put Zidane back into retirement," because they were going through what the French fans had going through, refusal of defeat. We've been losing, I mean, Spain, massive, massive uh, football nation in terms of clubs, but not national team. They had won one or two euros, but like years, like one in the... The 50s, right? In the 50s and one in the 60s, I think. Yeah. And in the World Cup, they never, ever made it. Ever made it. Um, so, of course, they want to win it. I mean, they have Real Madrid, they have Barcelona, they have all these amazing clubs. And uh, they now they want their national team to be performant, and, and and it is a very good side, actually. And they're sure they're going to win it. And Zidane is like, uh-uh. No. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> he, he, he single-handedly defeated uh, Spain. And uh, remember, uh, I, when I'm when I'm down, I go to YouTube and I, and I listen to the Spanish commentators of that game. When Zidane scores the third goal, they call him El Caballero de Fútbol Zinedine Zidane. Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah.
0: But um okay now we're in the final Now we're in the now we're in the final so let me paint the picture now I know where I was I was on the road and I was on vacation in Florida at that point I was 15 years old so I was I was at some I was at a baseball game or something and I had to drive home so I was trying to find it on the I was trying to find it on the radio when you used to kind of have to switch through radio channels to try to find anybody that would like have a soccer game on the radio like that that just wasn't a thing in America in yeah. 2006. So you kind of had to wait till you got home. And I, I just remember the highlight. And I remember the highlight. It's a, it's in the sec, it's in, I believe, the was it in the first extra time or the second extra time? Because I remember the Zidane, um, the Zidane penalty, which he took think- uh, Panenka style. Yeah, you mentioned that? In, in a final against Buffon. Then you had the you had the Italy go off the header yeah. and then I just remember they're, they're showing the highlight and I see like the play just stops and one of the Italian I think uh, what was it Mazaret or Mazaretti Mates oh my
1: goodness I know
0: Matesari Maari. You just see him on the, you see him on the floor and you're, and you're like, uh, what happened? Mia, mama mia. <laughs> uh, but you don't, you, you don't know what happened at first. Mm-hmm. Now, when they go to that highlight, first of all, where were you? And second of all, when you see that highlight for the, when you see that replay for the first time, I mean, like, I can't imagine that, that reaction. It, just, the initial reaction, I hate to bring you back to this. No, but that no, no, initial no, no, reaction. No, no, no. I
1: um, No, I'm happy to talk about it. And I have actually no... Um, I'm just fine with the whole story. I am at uh, Steps of Rome on Columbus Avenue in San Francisco in an Italian cafe, believe it or not. <laughs> and I'm watching it with some um, family members and friends. And um, I'm just so. We are having a uh, World Cup final again. We've never lost a World Cup final. Losing a World Cup final, in a way, is a privilege that great football nations can have. So before, you know, I, I'm i already talking about the post-game thing. During the game itself, yeah, the penalty kick, you see, Zidane doing a panenka, like you said, against Buffon. And it's a World Cup final game.
0: It barely went in, too. It barely went in. It barely went in. But, Mark, it did.
1: (laughs) And here is Zinedine Zidane, yet again, scoring a goal during a World Cup final. Okay, how many players have done that? How many players in world football have scored different goals on different World Cup finals? Apparently only four of them, and one of them is Zinedine Zidane. So that was not unheard of, but that does not happen again. And um, France is playing like France is playing usually, uh, being um, unbelievably solid. Uh, we have Henri. We have what a team. What a team. Mackay Liviera in midfield. <laughs> and then Zidane um, as his top. And there's one header he does. Unbelievable header. And Buffon, I don't know how he saves it. But he doesn't just save it, there's something in his body language that's like. He refuses the goal. It's a, it's a magical. It's magical. The header is almost magical. The save is almost magical, and you you see Zidane screaming of uh, frustration. I think at that point he knows we're not going to win this game. I don't. I still think we can. Hmm. Um, and then he does that headbutt. I think it's the first. Um, Uh, over time. Uh, It doesn't matter. And um, I'm like, oh no, he did it again. Oops. Um, I'm not bizarrely mad.
0: You see, and that, if I can just step in for a second, that I think is sort of the irony of it when I learned kind of more about it in years, you know, in years gone by. As an American watching that, I'm thinking how on earth does this guy, the best player on the team in a World Cup final, do something so ridiculously stupid? And that is an American point of view. When when players make mistakes, you kind of have that stunning, oh my God, how did that just happen? And as I learn about it more, the French reaction seemed to be, yeah, okay, I could see him doing that.
1: Well, some French people,
0: Yeah. um,
1: you know, it's been very controversial. In the scheme of things, you don't do that. Yes. There was an acceptation because this is the Zinedine Zidane package. The French understand or come to terms with or maybe try to disguise the truth without exactly knowing what the truth is. This is Zidane. You don't have... I'm gonna score a Panenka in a World Cup final against Buffon. Uh, without, I'm gonna headbutt Materazzi in a World Cup uh, 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 final because he, he trash talked he trashed about my sister. This is Zidane. You don't have. I am a six foot and eighty pounds, big, you know, quote unquote big guy for football, but I move like. I have the weight, I have the physicality, I have the skills, I can dribble, I, I, I can score unbelievable free kicks, and I have that unreal mental edge, and I'm going to shine and grow when it's money time. There's a World Cup final, I'm gonna score two goals. Another World Cup final, well, look at that. I'm scoring scoring that Panenka. And then, oh, this guy, uh, (laughs) this guy said my sister is a whore, hold on. Boom. (laughs) So I went through the emotions like, oh my God, no, no, no. And then, well, (laughs) I didn't aim pretty well. You hit him in the chest, you should have hit him in the nose, but Ismaterazi is like 6'6", it's a little difficult. So uh, there was a lot of emotions going through that, but yeah, okay. It's his last, Mark. It's his last professional game. He's retiring. In many ways, he's very French. If you're going down,
0: go down in flames. Go
1: <laughs> down in a theatrical way. <laughs> so that, this is a. There's a lot. Um, there's a, There's a lot of, of, of values and emotions attached to that particular. And yeah. jester, <laughs> but also it is very French, and um, France was already madly, madly in love with him. But he's a second-generation Algerian, showing culturally, is hundred percent fucking French. Yeah,
0: hundred
1: percent French. This is perfect. This is perfect. This is black bomb. Black bon, Blanc Beurre, more than 1988 again. Yeah. In many ways, this team and what's happening and Zidane doing that is even better than 1988. To me, the way, the, the way I see it. And now we are officially among the great um, uh, football nations. We lost a World Cup.
0: Yes, you lost a World Cup. And it's a weird psychology, but. It's a very European – it's your European uh, footballing psychology. But, it, it you know, it works. and it, it works. It's a World Cup. It's a World Cup. It's, you, you got that far, and you lost basically on one penalty kick. So, I mean, you can't be too mad. Now, no. from that to the next – well, actually, let me just intersperse this part. In all that energy you were talking about in 1998 – uh, the first time I went to France was 2008, so I was in France during the 08 European Championships, oh. and I think the what you I think I experienced the absolute polar opposite of what you were describing in '98. Yeah. No one gave a half a damn be, about that. I think I saw one Thierry Henry McDonald's ad out in a window. That's yeah. really about it. If you didn't read the paper, you would have no idea that the European Championships were going on. Mm-hmm. And that perfectly leads into 2010. And I will try to keep this part brief because it's not exactly fun to talk about, but when I say the name Nicholas... Well, Nicolas, is, when, well in a certain way it is. When I say the name Nicholas Anelka, mm-hmm. what comes to mind?
1: I'm still not sure. He's um. He's an interesting figure. At least he's an interesting figure, as Samir Nasri is not, uh, Benzema is not. uh, Some other players that were on and of that team were not completely, pathetically uninteresting jerks. (laughs) Anelka is not. Anelka has an IQ. Uh, he's a, he has a very strong personality, very very strong, and he carries something about his kind, second generation North African. Um, is he North African or is he uh, from the French West Indies? I kind of forgot. Well, the
0: uh, you know, it's, it's the wonder of the wonder of Wikipedia. He is um, he was born in France. But no, I'm no. trying to figure out where... Let's see. Oh, all of them. oh Martinique. Martinique. Okay. Um, so, he, he,
1: like Lilian Turam, who's still... Um, oh, thank God for Lilian Turam. What a man this guy is. Phenomenal guy. Turam is still very, very active politically. Um, Anelka, not as... Uh, so Chiram knows how to speak to a camera, to express things. He put on his smart glasses and, and people listen to him. Anelka, Anelka is, uh, is too provocative. He has too much anger into him, I think, to be able to do that. But he will carry an idea, and the idea was there's an integration problem in France. Hello? Hello? Yep. Yes, Nicolas, there's an integration problem in France. Oh, really? Well, Nicolas, we don't really want to talk about it. Well, I want to talk about it. Yeah, but, you know, we ask you to play football and shut up. Well, I'm not going to shut up. That's Nicolas Anelka. He, He did it in many ways. So, of course, it's not necessarily a great energy to have in a team that is struggling to find its football. It's probably not going to provoke something positive in a team like that, and in a team that doesn't have strong leaders. Thierry Henry never was. Uh, I love him to death, but he, he was never a leader. That's fine. So I have no problem with Nicolas and Elka, on top of it, is a, a Parisian. Um, he was a Paris Saint-Germain Youth Academy player. Um... He carries an, an idea of France I, I love, and um, a struggling side of France that still needs um, recognition uh, in, in, in a country where the institutions don't, do not reflect the diversity of, of uh, 21st century
0: France. Yes. and. And I think and one of the reasons, again, you bring I bring him up is because he is the center of, and I think France as a country might be more um, inclined to get past something like this. I think if that walkout had happened in Brazil, or if it had happened in England, or if it had happened in Germany, I don't think any of those players would have ever been allowed to play for their national team again. I just think... I, I think,
1: I think... Probably would not happen anywhere else than in France, Mark.
0: Yes. For the country that, if I can say, tends to like to go on strike at times, the French national team was not an exception to that rule. And it was live, it was on television, everyone got to see it. The Raymond Dominique, Dominique right? Well, he had to read a statement... Yeah, You had to read a hostage statement which in the documentary was kind of just hilarious uh, seeing... It's, it's
1: pathetic, isn't
0: it? Yes. But it, it just it was just one of those things where you can o- I think only France could get away with that and still have...
1: Only France can do it and then get away with it.
0: Yes. <laughs> and your reaction to that walkout was I'm assuming not necessarily anger.
1: Oh, no. Mostly anger. Okay. But not because they... Yes, because they're walking out, sure Because that's We're going to have to talk about it and debate If um, A national team can go on strike We've never seen that before It's a little odd For many people around the world It's fucking unacceptable But yeah. we're French people, it's a national team We're going to talk about it No, it's who is doing it So There's a bunch of, of Brats In that team with an attitude, Um, so you can't have a big mouth. You can talk the talk, sure, but you gotta walk the walk. You can do both. They did. Fuck you. Fuck you for doing this. And that's the reaction of French people. Listen, you're a piece of shit. There's no other way to describe your attitude you are a piece of shit and we never want to see you with the French jersey on because because of what I just said because you, 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 all you do is, is, is show disrespect uh, uh, over and over and over again and never deliver we had players extremely disrespectful to their uh, coach and sometimes national team um But they they, they would deliver, perfect uh, uh, example, Eric Cantona. Well, he kind of pissed off Jacquet, and Jacquet didn't take him for the 1998 World Cup. But Cantona was a very controversial character, uh, big ego, and not not always very respectful. But he, he, he showed it on the pitch that somewhat he earned the right of doing this. Zidane never showed disrespect, but by head Materazzi, it's a little bit, a little bit disrespectful. Eh. But he earned on the pitch, for the French people, Mark, I'm talking for the French people, the right to do this. Yes. Not this bunch of fucking brats. They showed nothing on the pitch. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And had, they were, oh my God, an awful bunch, a bunch of brats. So that's why the French people were like, "eh."
0: Now, when you're talking about just just so we're, just so we're all on the record, when you which ones are you specifically referring to? Because uh, okay, I have an idea, uh, but I just kind of want you to spell it out on that.
1: Well, we don't know exactly exactly what happened, yeah. but apparently um, there were a few leaders and there were a few. So, a f- few leaders of the revolt, of the strike. Yeah. And there were a few people who s- normally should have been the leaders, and they showed up. But, Frank Ribéry uh, has been mentioned as, and, and yeah.
0: Um, Was Toulon a part of that?
1: We don't know. I don't know about Toulon. But, uh, no, it's but mainly Patrick Evra. Ah. So, Evra and... and I don't want to, I don't necessarily want to name them.
0: No, that's, that's fair enough. It, it's, it's that the th-
1: player who wasn't, who, who was showing what player I particularly dislike, yeah. um, who was a French international, is Samir Nasri. A rotten attitude. Rotten, over and over and over again. Yeah. What do you say that, Guillaume? He's such a nice guy, I've heard. Okay, you think really, think so? So that's your body language? That's how you talk to the press with the French jersey? That's how you talk to your coach with the French national team jersey on it? And that's how you behave on the pitch? Oh yeah, you scored that beautiful goal against England, great. What else? Mm -hmm. Nothing. Okay, thank you very much. You did not earn the right to behave like a jerk. Yes.
0: And I think that brings us to the rebuild that has been going on the last six years or so, because that whole incident sort of left France in a bit of a hole in the sense that you kind of have to rebuild the trust between the fans and the team and the players and the coaches. And you had that really kind of uh, awful Laurent Blanc uh, couple of years where that didn't really help things. And you bring in Deschamps. Mm -hmm. who coached in 14. We'll get kind of to that, but Deschamps coached in 14. They went to the quarters. Mm -hmm. Then in 2016, they hosted the European Championships and for the most part, put in a good accounting of themselves. Um, And now here we are, 2018, another World Cup. And I'm not going to call France a favorite in the sense that I think the two... I think there's two to three favorites. I think France might be in that tier under it, but really, really not that far away talent-wise. Mm. And now this is the part where I talk about all the talent that France have, the potential talent. Mbappe, Pogba, Griezmann, mm. Dembele, um, Giroud when he's scoring goals, um, Verran, Umtiti, N'Golo Kante. And it's a team that on paper should be one of the um, top contenders to win the World Cup. And now you're going to tell me the reason that they probably won't.
1: Oh, Mark, you are been cruel.
0: No, I'm just, so, I i know, I'm setting you up here.
1: You're right, you're right.
0: I'm setting you up.
1: It'd be very surprising if they do. Yes. Uh, because the team on paper is uh, just that. Ask the Dutch. Um it's not because you have talented players That you have a team France won the World Cup in 1998 With Guy Varche And who was the other striker? Uh, this, uh, oh my god I mean, on paper There was no way France would win the 1998 World Cup But something happened in the team They shared An, an energy of Of, uh, of belief Of Of um, of giving your, your, your you, you know, you, everything for your team mate. Here we have a long list of millionaires, the players you've mentioned. You're going to tell me all the football players nowadays are millionaires. True. So there's something else than, than talent that's at stake when it comes to winning a great competition. Um, we hope that. Deschamps who's been um, manager of the French national team for a few years now Um, the, the, the wish is that he he knows that he knows that it's all about team play and team mentality and he's been trying to protect and build that well um Yes, so this game, you could kind of see it in the first half, right?
0: Yes and Did and and for reference, since we're uh, this is going to drop on April thirtieth, the game he's referring to is the France-Columbia game where France blew a two-nil um, lead in the second half. So just to give everyone a frame of reference of when we're actually recording this, but go ahead.
1: Yeah, I mean I think they probably exploded physically, and but the nineteen ninety eight or nineteen ninety-seven team would have done what it takes yeah. to not lose that game.
0: Can I ask you a question just on that on that game specifically, and I think this'll play into what a real issue can be for this team in the um in the World Cup. They didn't seem to have an offensive plan in the second half. It really did seem like the plan was win the game two one. Keep the ball, don't you know, don't push it. And you just you felt like Colombia just wanted to win the game more, and they oh, they, they were they, playing they, they, for it more, they were into it more, and I think France just felt all right. We got the two goals, we made our point. We let's pack it in for the evening. And I'm not sure they can afford to have that attitude.
1: No, they can't. And uh, no, also, the France was playing 4-4-2, uh, which is very unusual. So Leo, it's like you're a little bit tired. You 2-0 at halftime. Uh, they all playing big clubs, there's a Champions League, blah, blah, there's a World Cup coming up. They have nothing. Winning against Colombia, uh, they, pro- they think they probably did it. Colombia has never beat, beaten France, I think, and winning in Paris is, is a big deal for Colombia. And they wanted it more, and they did. Yeah. Uh, the same game, you know, World Cup, I think the French national team does something in the second half. But, the 1998 France... French team would not have lost that game. Refuse to lose the game. We, we can't. This team, yes. So, uh, mm. we'll see. I mean, uh, the, you know, the uh, uh, sometimes a team comes together during a competition. Often, as the Italians. Yeah. They struggle over and over and through history in qualifying. Tournaments for for, you know qualifying for the World Cup. Awful, they barely make it. They win the World Cup. Qualifying for the Euro. Oh my God, so much drama around the national team. They uh, they play like fools and but they kind of qualify. Boom, they make it to the final. So, but listen, I still think that team can win the World Cup. But there's something missing in the team. Uh, In 2000. uh, I, I told all my friends um, I was back to the US and uh, I was playing football in a, in a, in a small team, uh, soccer and uh, a, a very international team in Princeton and, and there were Dutch people Hungarian people, people from all over the world and I was like, France is going to win the Euro they were like, no way I'm like, yeah, you don't realize France is going to win the Euro there's no doubt, I had no doubt France won the Euro because of that refusal uh, to to uh, to lose a game. No defeat. This team doesn't have that. So it doesn't mean that they're not going to win the World Cup. But that's that's a sign of, hmm,
0: we'll it, see. Yeah, and just, do you think this team, because I, I kind of had this discussion with people too, I think this team is a couple years away from getting the right, the right pieces in place. I think they'll be good in this World Cup. I think, again, it all kind of depends on the draw. I think that, I mean, they have a ridiculously easy group to get out of. I think yeah, it would be... it would get out of the... It'd be a catastrophe if they don't get out of this group.
1: No, they will, they will, they
0: will. They will. Um, There's one
1: player, and that's just me because I've watched football for 40 years. Uh, There's one player who didn't play uh, yesterday. Um, I didn't believe in him, and then I... Little by little, I saw him rise. There's something special about him. Not so much on a footballistic standpoint, even if he's got everything. He's physical, very physical, uh, solid, technically can shoot, can score uh, goals, a good in the air. It's uh, Torisso. There's something special about Torisso. And the freaking uh, Bayern Munich uh, uh, recruiting team felt it. And they got him over. Who scored twice against Paris Saint-Germain? And it's money time, dude. Tolisso. This team, with Pogba, with Conte and Tolisso, playing in 4-3-3, can, I think... If things mentally work out, if I may say so, if it makes any sense, what I'm saying, they may win the World Cup. Uh, Toliso is, um, like, mentally, Toliso is special. He's got something that some players, I mean, it's a very young team, isn't it? Don't don't have.
0: Yeah. That's a very young team. Still a very, still a very young team. Boy.
1: Boy, it's a young team, but yeah, there's firepower, isn't it? The goal, the goal they scored against um, the second goal against Colombia oh my god and imagine how this team is going to be when Mendy yeah. comes back
0: and, and, and just yeah because you he's, still have he's a, yeah
1: it's a 6-liter V8 roaring at you on the left uh, wing over and over and over and over again it is yeah. something else the team is much much better with, with Mendy and then City Bay on his right wing is better when Mendy's there too.
0: Anyway. Yeah, and, and I think that's a, a good place to end it off. I, I, I think that, again, my prediction would be, I think they, again, depending on the draw, what they get in the in their bracket, I think they can get to the semifinals. Yeah. I think they have the, the talent way. for that. Yeah. So, um, DMA, yeah. thank you so much for doing this. This was oh, tremendous.
1: i kidding. I... I, I... I could talk another two three hours dude
0: I know <laughs> I, I know but I mean, I mean we do have to keep these somewhat I mean we could do part two at some point, but if you want yeah we should be able to do part two of this at some point because <laughs> this sure. was this was very good Th- thank you so much for joining the World Cup project and this has been your host Mark Damon saying au revoir for now. Thank you for listening to the World Cup Project. Our next episode will feature Chase Haslip from the Canarian Blue podcast, discussing the rich, dynamic history of Brazil's national team, the Selec Sal. The theme for the World Cup Project is provided by Dutch supergroup Orgel Vretten, whose fantastic music you can listen to on iTunes or Spotify. This show was brought to you by PSG Talk, the number one news and opinion site for all things Paris Saint Germain in English. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook for more information on upcoming World Cup Project episodes. And as always, this is your host, Mark Damon, saying once again, au revoir for now.